of me united to more of you. More of you united to more of me. Come, Father, come. Come and continue the intimacy that you long for with us. Come and continue moving into our souls and assisting us to move into union with you. You abiding with us and us abiding with you. Spirit of the living God, come. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and move into our souls with the healing presence of Jesus. Amen. So, this session is um, it's about absorbing the beauty to heal and recover from the harshness of the world. And it, I want this session, I hope this session is is something different in, in its experience. We're, we're sitting inside, but we're going to be talking about the beauty that often is outside. And so it's a bit like, I uh, don't know if you've ever had one of those teachers who said, class, we're, it's too hot in here, we're going to go outside. And that's what we're going to do with this session, is we're, we're actually going to leave structure and things like that, and we're going to get experiential with, with some of the things that I'm doing. So the first thing I want to do is I, I'm going to play a piece of music and I want to show in this music I want to show beauty in this piece of music I want to show you what it can do what music and receiving sound can actually do to calm you and this piece, piece of music I came across accidentally um, I was doing a piece of work as a, as a counsellor with a couple and I had to travel to this centre uh, about 15 minutes away from where I live. And as I began to work with them, I, I actually experienced quite a bit of anxiety about the sessions. And I noticed this <laughs> as I was going. I was going, oh no, I wonder what's going to happen in this session. It, it kind of, you know, working in a centre, lots of different counselling rooms. This couple arrives and it gets loud. And one of them might leave and slam the door. And I'm trying to hold the room. I'm trying to hold the space for them. But I'm also conscious of other counsellors. And, you know, I noticed I was getting tense even driving to go and work with them. And I found this piece of music and I just went, oh, oh it just brought me back to my identity, who I am, the role I play, not just husband, father, but, but for these people. And also his... His anointing, just he called me into this work. And a piece of music can do that. So I want you to listen. I want, I want you to experience it for yourselves. What does it do for you? And as you're listening, listen to the rhythm, listen to the move of certain instruments coming in, coming out. There's a little pause in the music at one stage, like a breath just stops and then it starts again. It's just beautiful. Listen out for the cello. There are going to be cellos in heaven. <coughs> there are cellos in heaven. Oh my goodness, cellos. Who knew? <laughs> Amazing. When the cello starts playing, about two minutes into this, listen to the cello start and 
try to breathe with the cello. It's like these long strokes. Try to breathe with the cello. See what that does, right? So it's really tuning in, but also observing what it does to you in its calming nature. And just sit with it, okay? It's like an exercise of just listening. Here we go. Thank you. 
Experience. Call it out. Relaxing. <coughs> Relaxing. Yeah. <coughs> Excitement. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Anticipation. And mm. anticipation. Excitement. Yeah. Yeah. Freedom. Freedom. In the breathing. Freedom in the breathing. Yeah. yeah. So many different things, you know, at the same time, but harmony. Yeah. Yeah. A bit like watching a, a river, <coughs> a stream or something, and with birds flying by, there's cold water therapists over here <laughs> getting into the water, but there's acti activity, many different things. Yeah. 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 It's so calming, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, before we started today, we were praying and just got a vision of a sunrise, but it was a sunrise behind a city. And I was just aware of the busyness of the city, and they were missing out on this beautiful sunrise. I happened to be up on a hill watching it. But I was going, most people are missing this. So when you introduce music or something like that, oh, you're not missing it, you're bringing it back. You're bringing the glory of God back into things. The... Uh, the power of nature, gosh, and you know this this word that Derek put up, and I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. You know, there's so many things that you know are allow us to come into space if we were to arrange for them to bring them into our lives to create like we did yesterday the opportunity to go deep but we have to somehow find ways to introduce those things into our lives this is a slide that we used back last may um, and i just felt to use it today because it's his invitation to think deeply to cast your worries on him, a passage in Peter, to go deep. My presence in your inmost being, my actual presence within you, receive the strength that prevails. Um, we're going to do something experiential before we do anything else, anything further. Um, you might have detected a slight peppermint smell when you came into the room. It's my new deodorant. <laughs> no, we, we prepared um, these, these little essential oils into little flasks for you to just take a sniff of. Do we have um, napkins? Would it be possible to get about 30 napkins just so people can, can just wipe their hands if they get anything on their hands? Um, there's only a few drops in each little one. If you don't want one, don't take one. If you've got a, you know, an allergy to essential oils or anything like that. But there's, there's a couple of scents in there. Uh, now, they spilt over in the car, or it tipped over in the car. 
So we were on the ferry. I went, something's happened. <laughs> so there's a, you will have a little bit on your fingers as soon as you touch, you touch this. And it will stay on your fingers even if you wipe. But it's, it's a powerful thing to have scent. The smell, you know, aromatherapy has been around for centuries. And it's our, um, what's that? Um, the olfactory, I think it is. The olfactory nerve is the closest one to the brain. And so <laughs> smells go straight into your brain and actually goes into your amygdala, which is which is the seat of emotions. You know, it's where we pick up emotions, where we filter emotions. You might have heard of a, an amygdala hijack. And so smells can, be, smells can be calming as well. You know, the smell of lavender, smell of peppermint is supposed to be good for your bowels, apparently. Um, smell of lemon. We've got lemon essence here. Don't be drinking any. It, it'll, uh, it may improve your breath, but I'm not sure it'll do good to your digestion. <laughs> and the room will start smelling differently now that we've got it out in the open. Um, but I just wanted to introduce something that is... It's one of our senses. You know, we, we, we have... Hear, smell, see, see, hear, smell, touch, taste. Senses working overtime, if you remember the song. Um, but we, we've got these God-given senses, and yeah, they can also bring us back to, back to his glory, back to our created nature, back to who we are. I can smell peppermint now myself. <laughs> Charles, is, Charles is using it as aftershave. Can I share something? Yes, please. Just this peppermint here, this is really important. So the very, very first time I was ever conscious about, about ever being taken to church, my mum and dad took us to, but I grew up in Cumbernauld, which was a new town, so there was not, nothing really built. So they had a church in an old hut. And when I was there, an old man, this memory just came back to me there, an old man sitting next to me gave me a poem in. And it was the first piece of kindness I'd ever received wow. in church. Wow. And that brought that memory back. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Triggered it all. So, so, yeah. Has everybody got one? Yes. So there you go. The power. The power of a memory that is related to a smell. I know Elaine had one we went to. I think it's having an effect on people. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, the, 
thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing that because yeah, you know, you can have a, a memory of a smell and it will come back to you many years later. Elaine had a situation. We were in. We were, Elaine spent five years in Cyprus as a child, and at the age of nine, you know, she left. We went back there like forty years later, and we went down to the beach where she had spent a long time as a as a young person, and it was beautiful to see her suddenly. As we walked through towards the beach, she remembered the smell. She said, the smell is still here. The same scent around the beach. You know? It's interesting because uh, we, we used to camp, you know, on, on had, like tents and we would camp on the grass, but then we'd go over this little hill. And then sometimes hill, we'd bend on the sand. And at that point, I was kind of slightly disturbed because I couldn't connect emotionally to the place at all. And I'd been there a couple of days until... So yeah, somewhat, somewhat recapping some of the thoughts you know that we've talked about over the last few sessions. But you know, life in this world, this time that we're living in, it's really challenging. It's really challenging, and you know, it's as as. Vince was saying last night, it's the constant assault on our hearts by the one who, would, who fears who you are and are becoming. Um, the world is, is a harsh place. And God is gentle. And that's one of the challenges because God doesn't shout. He doesn't compete with the circus that's out there. But he He's so gentle. He, he's, he's, he's always got something for us if we can find ways of breaking back out to, you know, or coming back from the shallows to the depths. And so really what we're trying to do with these sessions is pull away, you know, pull away from the pace and the harshness of the world, from the flood of media and technology and from the heartbreak of too many stories Way, way too many stories. You know, that's the part of the problem with media is how much stuff we get bombarded with. You know, as soon as you look at your phone, I mean, here we are in a retreat, and my phone last night, in a, in a moment of silence, sends me a BBC or a something, you know, breaking news. Like, what have I, why have I even got that set up on my phone? I need to take that off. I don't need that coming into me, you know? Yeah, and, and so the challenge is that God has got all this stuff for us, but the world is perfectly set up at the moment to, to stop us from getting it. He's got, he's got it there for us. It's the double bind in life. It's perfectly designed to prevent you from having a perfect storm. 
And interestingly, you know, the Desert Fathers, John Eldridge talks about the Desert Fathers, you know, that's a long time ago, but they felt that the world was a shipwreck sure. and that we had to swim away to save our lives. Um, and yet, think about it, they lived in a time when there was no technology, there was no media, the only media was what was happening in the village, the rumours, the actual stories, that was the pace of life. The pace of life, there was no cars, so the pace of life was three miles an hour. That was the pace, and still then, yeah. still then, they felt it. And so we're a bit like today's version of the Desert Fathers. We need to find ways to extract ourselves, to get into the desert in some ways, to find ways to, uh, to seek union with God. so union with God I like this line if you want to look for more of God you have to look with more of you Mm. yeah you can't look for more of God with just the shallow you the swipe swipe flick look show I'm a real show and tell person uh, I'll run up to Elaine and go, look at this, look at this, look at this. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we've been trained in some ways to live in the shallows because we constantly come back to things that are actually not very deep. But we are seeking the deeper thing. And you are seeking the deeper thing. You've given your time to be here. You're pursuing what he has for you. And the deeper thing is the soul is healed through union with God. And that union with God is our created design. We're meant to be in deep union with God. And that union, it's not ecumenical union. It's not the Bride of Christ union. It's, it's a, it, that's a different thing. It's wonderful, but that's not what we're talking about here. Jesus said, if anyone believes in me, out of their innermost being will flow my life in rivers of living water. It's Christ in us, union with him, within us, like a, what they call an ontological reality. It's like, you know, classification. You know, it's an apple. It's got apple skin. You can't have apple skin without the apple. It's, it's one and the same. And we're supposed to have that in our lives. We're supposed to be permeated and have our lives intertwined with him. It's supposed to be in our DNA. It is in our DNA. But we've lost it, you know. Many of us, the world has. And it's not optional. It's actually not optional. It seems to be, because as you know, a lot of people, Christians alike, aren't necessarily living in that way or haven't found a way. So again, like we said yesterday, it's the narrow path and few find it. So it's not optional to live in this, in this way. Especially in this hour. And as you know, one of the major challenges we have with recovering that union is due to how we experience attachment attachment growing up 
our own experiences with attachment have taught us that actually it's probably not available. Mm. You know? And yet God wants to come and heal our ability to attach. Remember the vision I gave you yesterday of the, the logs being chopped and, and you know, the axe coming back out of the logs and the logs attaching themselves again and becoming back to the tree that the logs came from. That's the work he's doing in us. He's, he's reintegrating parts of us that have become fragmented. And as we heal, then we come into more union with him. As the soul is more healed, we can find union with God. As we have more union with God, it heals more of the soul. It's beautiful, isn't it? That interplay, it's back and forth. It's like, you know, the waves coming in, waves, or the tide coming in, tide coming out. It's like this beautiful exchange with him. I'm going to show a clip of nature and it's just yeah I'll just let I won't say anything
you know, in some ways, it's the glory of God is just continuing out there. It's a proclamation of the kingdom, right? You'd love to see another one, wouldn't you? Okay. And you know what? I just felt like he wants you to have another one. stuff isn't it for the soul the swelling music you know that music going with that last clip wow it's it's worship I think that's what I experience when I see that I feel like worship yeah Fintan, can I just say watching those two clips I just felt a question rise in my heart and it was this what are you watching and just as I asked the question, the answer came, it's me, it's me, it's me. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm reducing as well. It's like the circle of life, all the arrows. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so powerful, isn't it? The scale of it. And, and just as you made them all unique. 
But coming back to what Vince is saying, it's about him. Yeah, yeah. It's a reflection of who he is. His glory. It draws you into worship, his glory. Right? Yeah, and it's the coming kingdom. It's the restoration of all things. This is the world that we were created for. We were designed for that. And here's the thing, um, that God created the world and, and we need oxygen. And he just put so much of it around us that we don't even think about it, right? So we need it for life. It's, it's, we're breathing in it, we're swimming in it. It's our environment. That's, you know, we can go into the water, but we need air. But the other thing is we need water. You know, you can, you can survive without eating for, for quite a while, but you need water. And he's given us this beautiful blue planet it's covered in water from the space as you know it looks blue he's given all of that to us oxygen and water because he knew we needed it he knew that we needed it but something else that he's given us which isn't so obvious to so many people is that he must have realized we needed beauty our soul needs beauty why would he put so much of it around us but for the fact that we need it? And, 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 and yeah, there's just so much of it. Uh, and yet we live in this world. We were talking about it yesterday coming back from Loudon Hill. You know, we tend to walk around carpeted floors. Everything's flat. You're in an airport. Everything's flat. You're on conveyor belts. You know, everything that we do is in an, in, in an artificial environment. It's in our own little, you know, it's like a Mars colony. We're living in these in these places. Have you ever been to Dubai or somewhere like that? It's a weird place because you're, you're indoors because you need the air conditioning. You can't really live outdoors. So it's like you're looking at the world from inside like you're on the moon, you know? And this stat, which is the average American spends 93% of their life indoors, 87% inside buildings, another 6% of their lives in cars, only 7% of life outdoors. Shocking, isn't it? It's kind of scary, but that's the kind of life that we get used to living unless we have a job that has us out, outdoors, right? I'm going to read something from John O'Donoghue. I don't know if some of you are familiar with him. He died at the age of 52. He's an Irish writer, um, very spiritual writer. And I'm going to read this piece because it just captures what's happened. The house keeps the universe out. The human person is the creature that changes the, the wildness of the earth to suit the intentions of his own agenda. Hopkins argues against disturbing nature. Long live the weeds and the wilderness yet. Humans are the one species which has deliberately altered the earth. One of the first ways this happened was through clearing trees and lands to build homes. Humans wanted to come in from the great immensities of nature and the heavens. Homes provided shelter against marauding animals. They also provided shelters of belonging. Perhaps the awakening of the infinity in the mind demanded relief from the cosmos in the refuge of simple belonging. At another level, the home represents a certain limitation. 
it frames off the privacy of your life from the outside world. As cities expand octopus-like into the countryside, it is sad to see beautiful fields serrated with replica housing estates. An old neighbour of mine who rarely visited the city until recently was heard to remark as he looked at all the housing estates, the houses are all the same. How would a person find his way home? A few minutes later, the logic of his own musing had the solution. I bet you they're all numbered. A house can become a little self-enclosed world. Sheltered there, we learn to forget the wild, magnificent universe in which we live. When we domesticate our minds and hearts, we reduce our lives. We disinherit ourselves as children of the universe. Almost without knowing it, we slip inside ready-made roles and routines, which then set the frames of our possibilities and permissions. Our longing becomes streamlined. We acquire sets of convictions in relation to politics, religion and work. We parrot these back and forth at each other as if they were absolute insights. Yet, for the most part, these frames of belief can be viewed as self-constructed barriers, fragile cliches built around our lives to keep out the mystery. The game of society helps us to forget the unknown and subversive presence of the human person. The control and ordering of society is amazing. We comply so totally with its unwritten rules. In the city in the morning, like the vision I got, in the city in the morning, you see the lines of traffic and the rows of faces all facing the same way on their way to work. We show up. We behave ourselves. We obey fashion and taste. Meanwhile, almost unknown to ourselves, we are standing on wild earth at a crossroads in time where anything can come towards us. Yet we behave as if we carried the world and were the executives of a great plan. Yet everywhere around us, mystery never sleeps. The same deep nature is within us. Each person is an incredibly sophisticated, subtle and open-ended work of art. We live at the heart of our own intimacy. Yet we are strangers to its endless nature. Yeah, we separate ourselves from the depth of who we are in union with him. And we hear these words, goodness and holiness and righteousness and truth. I am the way, the truth and the life and the spirit of truth comes. He will lead you into all truth. The truth will set you free. But actually they pale into into you know, something else when next to beauty. Beauty is the crown. Beauty heals the soul. Um, when you're in the experience and in the presence of beauty, your muscles relax, and we, we talked about this with the music. You sense it with smell as well. Your breathing gets a little bit deeper. Um, and Elaine, will you say something about why we send flowers uh, to hospital rooms and to funerals? You've got a story. Yeah, I just have a very, it's a very simple story. Um, I mean, I've heard this stuff before. Um, and I mean, I did understand about beauty, but you know when you really understand something, but then, then you actually experience it. Mm-hmm. You heard me saying that yesterday. I'm standing it, 
and experiencing it deep, um, in a deeper way myself. And uh, my mum died about four years ago, and people, you know, have sent me a lot of flowers, and there's a, there's a lot of things, ha you know, happening around me. A lot of people calling, a lot of people, you know, that was that was all really very supportive. But really, at the end of the day, what ministered to me was just sitting quietly, looking at these flowers. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I, I can't believe that, that this is what, he, you know, at the end of my day or first thing in the morning, <coughs> just looking at the beauty of these like roses mm -hmm. and lilies. And that's all my soul could take in that moment. Mm -hmm. Because grief, grief, emotion, grief is so heavy. Mm -hmm. You know, that isn't that a beautiful thing? God creates certain types of beauty, different types of beauty in nature that minister to the different parts of our emotional being. You know, there's times our hearts need to, um, need to be lifted up, you know, watching these nature programs. But there's other times our, our souls need to be soothed because they're in pain. And so looking to nature and looking out to God and just who God brings into your life to bring that beauty and mm -hmm. um, is very important, but it is subtle. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think I would have sat with flowers and, and had that experience. And went, wow, this it was so soothing on my soul. Mm -hmm. And I can and how I know it's like I can feel it now as I speak about mm -hmm. you know. Just a small experience, but very yeah. powerful. Thank you. Yeah, so in moments of profound trauma and loss, right there, in those situations, flowers are this defiant demonstration of the goodness of God. And you don't have to be a believer. Look, everybody sends flowers. Get well, you know. Hope to see you soon, you know. Sorry for your loss. And yet, you know, we, we choose something of the beauty because it heals the soul. Um, I want to tell you a personal story. Um, about one Christmas, it was actually coming up to New Year's, and my, my sister and her family go for a walk, typically up to this place called Glendalough, it's a beautiful place, and something had happened, it's, it's two, three Christmases ago, but whatever was going on in me uh, in that Christmas time, or just after Christmas, I'd lost a bit of hope, and I was in bed, and I'd said that I'd go for the walk with my, with my, <coughs> nephews, with my nephews and my sister, and and I said I'd bring my son, and I, I wanted to go for my son, but I just didn't want to get out of bed. I, I didn't want to go. Mm -hmm. And I lay in bed, and I don't know if I said this to you, but I just lay in bed and I asked God, I just said, do, do you want me to go? Do you want me to go? Tell me you want me to go, because I don't want to go. And I just heard straight away, go. And I kind of knew I'd probably hear that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but it's as if I, I really needed to hear him say it, you know. So I, it's like I wasn't in agreement with it. So I just needed to hear that voice. So I went. But it was, it was a day like this, you know. It's foggy. It's like, why did I do this again? But I remember saying to my brother-in-law when we set off, I said, I told him, I said, I, I'm not in great shape here. I'm not in great form. But I wonder what God has got for me, because He told me to come. And I wasn't taunting God. I was just wondering, God, what have you got? Why did you have me come? What are you going to show me? So we're walking around, you know, in fairly cloudy. So, you know, this is the upper lake in Glendalough. And so it's a, it's a, 
you know, it's a very, it's a Christian site pilgrimage. It's a very special place, you know. But when it's overcast, it's, it's, yeah, you can see it's a valley, and we were up on the ridges, uh, but we were coming up this, we were coming up this hill anyway, and I saw rocks and stuff like this, but then I saw him. And he's kind of blended in, isn't he? You can't really see him too well. He's kind of a, he's a Sitka deer, and there's a lot of them up there. Um, but I spotted him, and I went, oh, wow. God wanted to show me this. He wanted to show me, and I was the only one who saw him. And the family saw him, and, they, and I kind of went towards him a little bit, took the picture. Sorry? I could just see his leg there at first. Yeah. And then I could see his full body there. I mean, like he, he was designed to fit in and be camouflaged, you know? So I took a, a, a closer up picture. Oh, wow. And I was, I was, I was staggered. Ha, ha, ha. sneak in the dad joke. But I saw him and I went, wow. And, and the rest of them had gone off and I was taking the picture and I was just, I was delighted with just having been that close to that animal, right? And I went away, but as I went away, I heard go back. And like the others had moved on and I was like, now it's going to cause delay. And I'd already taken the picture and they were ahead. But I heard go back. And because I had gone up further the path, my route back to him looked like this. And suddenly that looks different, doesn't it? Yeah. And the thing was, I kept on moving towards him. And I had to go closer and closer. And eventually he was eating. So he put his head down and I got very close to him. And I had to shout at him. <laughs> I went, hey! Get your head up. Hey, hey. Like this. Shout it. And I got this picture. Now, I'm slightly, you know, hairs in the back of my neck because because it was about my union with him. Yeah. Actually. That's what he had wanted for me when I woke up that morning and he said go you know, he wanted to invite me back to the depth of my union with him and, like, and it's foggy and you're kind of making agreements that this is you know rubbish and, and yeah and then you end up with that and I still go back to that as a story of this is how he pursues me right so you have your favorite places right and your favorite places uh, are, are your favorite places because there's beauty there and you identify with something and we each have you know whether it's mountains or snow or sea or whatever it is it speaks to your soul because you have we have I have a unique geography inside me and it feels like home when I'm in that place. So call them out. Where, where's Vince? Spain? Murcia? You were talking about it? Maldives. The Maldives. <laughs> Woof. Yeah. Comanga Strip. Comanga Strip, yeah. yeah. They're in noise. Yeah. It's quite in noise. The Topiconic Hill. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Oh. Mine's just doing it. Sundown Castle, 
there's a lovely walk we've been there and I've experienced something like that before as well. No feeling so great. Connection was with there. And when I went down, I could just see this wee white bum mm. in the field. And I'm like, wow. And it was a baby deer. Beautiful. I was with my wee dog sat there with me for about half an hour. So I was wondering, it's no alone. Mm. And the next minute he seen the mummy pop and seat up and the big <coughs> coming up. Beautiful. And then robins. Mm -hmm. I've only seen a couple of robins ever together, but there was a half dozen robins started coming around about me. Mm -hmm. The beauty that I had about an hour down there and a wee robin followed me all the way up the road, just one robin. Mm -hmm. But the beauty of the nature all in about me was I it was just it was gorgeous, the calm and yeah. the peacefulness here. Yeah. And my wee dog just sat there with me still watching on it. Yeah, and you see, memories like that will, I was talking about it, will hopefully draw you back to go to places to discover and go back to places that you love, the Maldives. <laughs> but maybe not, you know, simple things as well, you know, where you have it in your back garden. Yeah. But, I'm sure this, you when mm. you were saying about pursuing you, I remember when I was in the forest one time and <clears throat> there was a wee lamb stuck in a hole. And I lifted the lamb out, and I really felt God saying to me, that's what I did for you. Mm. Just when you mentioned it pursuing, it reminded me of that. Thank you. Yeah, beauty heals, beauty comforts, it, it relieves, it soothes, it ministers to us. And beauty is reassuring. Ugh. I'm going to tell you another one of my stories. Um, yeah, so I was, I was blessed to be in Colorado. I didn't take this picture, but I drove on that road. And I, I said to Derek last night, you know, I was not expecting to see this view because the drive was left, right, left, right, you know, like stuff around you. And then you came over this hill and then boop, you got this space. And it took my breath away. I, I just wasn't quite ready for the scale of space because this is at 9,000 feet, this plane. So this is up high in the mountains, uh, you know, having driven up. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, oh, wh where are, you, are we even going? And where we, where we were going was over here, to this one here, but in this area. Um, and then... I asked a few questions about it after once we got there. What, you know, what, what is this place? Like, it is massive. That's to the left of the road. And so we were heading to, to this place here, Mount Princeton, or near it, somewhere around here. And it was just the, the scale of it, right? And, and I was told that they used to bring cattle from Texas to feed here. So they used to drive cattle all the way up from Texas to Colorado so they could feed here. Buffalo used to be here and range freely in that. Can you imagine buffalo, like in times of the, yeah. the Indians, just in that space? I just took my breath away. And then we went, got closer. I mean, that's that mountain that was in the distance. Now there's all this. You see the scale of it. It's just massive, right? This is 14,000 feet uh, mountain. And we were heading to on the right here. So this was my entry into four days of technology-free time, like this space that we've got. Yeah. And 
that was my first experience of this, this view. It was like, oh. So at the, on day four, day three, day four of just not having a phone, I couldn't take these pictures. Well, I could have taken these three. But this, this one I couldn't take because I had to find this picture on the internet. So this is where we were. And it's on the side of that mountain. And I remember just being in prayer and just coming out onto that balcony and seeing that a few times. But then I was in a session like this and the guy leading the session said, you're helping facilitate. You don't need to be listening again to the same content. You can go. So I just felt prompted again. It was a go. Go. So I went out onto another part of it, the deck. And I'm just looking, like, like this morning actually, I was looking out here this morning, trees are perfectly still. Trees outside are, are just, there's no wind, well there's very little wind out there. And here, there was very little wind that particular day when I was sitting. And, and I felt, I, I came into it like a conversation with Jesus where I was looking at it and I asked him, why are you showing me this? Why? Oh, the emotion now. What is it that my soul is connecting with here? Why are you showing this to me? And he said, Jesus always asks you these. You know you're in a dialogue with Jesus because he asks you the questions. He says, well, what do you, why do you think it does? <laughs> I'm like, oh, come on. Give me the answers, not the questions. And, and it was this, this, this particular picture really captures, there are so many trees on the side of this hill. And what I said to him was, the trees, they're so still. In Ireland, same as Scotland, there's a lot of wind. These trees, these ponderosa trees, the ponderosa and acer trees, or uh, what do they call them, Colorado, Aspen, they're perfectly still, standing there. And I went, the trees are so still. And he goes, and? And that's how I feel inside. So again, this was about my heart. And my heart being so at rest that it actually shocked me that that's actually what he had for me. He had given me an opportunity through nature for my heart to be at rest. And it blew me away still does because I think and we were talking about this as a team just mentioned it yesterday evening the thing with the busyness and the haste and you know, the harshness of the world it's robbing us of peace and rest yeah. a particular scripture of mine and I'll come to it near the end is Jeremiah 6 16 I think it is you know stand at the crossroads ask for the ancient paths yep. you know that one yeah. and step into them and the last line is, and you will find rest for your souls. Mm-hmm. You know, we forget that it's the purpose of this is so that we might find rest for our souls. Yeah. So I kept on getting drawn back to the forest over and over. And I wasn't quite sure why. And it was doing something to my soul. And, and one, of the, one of the main things it was doing is it was reassuring me Beauty reassures assures us that goodness wins. Goodness wins. Yeah. The profusion of beauty in this world. The forest that day and its stillness comforted me. Beauty reminds us of the provision 
and the overwhelming lavishness of God. Profusion of abundance. It reassures. Reassures us of goodness. It reassures us of abundance and plenitude. And that quote from George MacDonald. I know he's a favourite of yours there again. That's glorious, wasteful, gloriously wasteful art thou, O God. It's just so reassuring. And, you know, we try to find ways at home to, to engage with it. And the other day, just when you, I knew I was giving this talk, you know, just the sound of the sea. <coughs> Fifteen minutes walk from our house. It's just a normal day. But that beauty was there. That beauty was there. And um, Augustine says, beauty is a plank amid the waves of the sea. And John Eldridge talking about that quote says, it's a rescue. It's the life raft. It's the line that's thrown to you right in the storm that we live in. Beauty rescues. It's so exquisite. Mm. Elaine, will you tell that story about um, the spray? Yeah, so um, as you start learning to kind of go deeper in your prayer life, this is where you kind of almost start seeing the Sessions scriptures, seeing the you know, hearing the fears and seeing the eyes of your heart. Prayer, open the eyes, kind of heart forward. So you start seeing these things. More and more clearly, and you know, the more you can, the more union you have with Him. And um, there's a particular point in my life where God had brought me, where He really was going for that deeper, I suppose, pain that was in my life in the past. So He was kind of going for my deepest trauma. Often, when God is going into those deeper places, sometimes He will do things that are like what He called a little bit more noticeable. Mm-hmm. So he'll, he'll find that there's a scale he uses of, you know, um, just very subtle things, you know, like a gently, just a gentle breeze, looking <coughs> at some beautiful flowers. Um, and this is in regards to nation. In this situation, I was walking along the beach and really, 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 really not feeling good. Really. Um, like I said yesterday, you know, getting being in a place where I got to look down into that black hole. Not going into it, but it was that feeling of, whoa, like, if I fall into this, it's, I'm falling into an abyss. That's what my soul felt like. And the reason why I felt like that was because I had run out of gas. <laughs> I had run out of my own coping mechanisms. And I was left with that black hole, the black hole of not knowing and not even understanding that there was needs in my life that should have been met on that agenda and they were not. And I had been trying to meet them myself all for many, many years, but eventually we only use our own coping mechanisms, they run dry. And so at a very low point, I was walking along anyway, as I was walking along, it's absolutely Amazing in this situation, 
how God ministered to me. And as I was walking along, I noticed that wind, I was walking along the beach, the wind was kind of coming in from the sea. Um, and as it was coming in, I could see like this kind of cloud like, like ahead of me. And it was like this, and it was, it was sun as well, so it's like the light was shining through this kind of like mist. But as I got closer, I noticed the mist actually was, it was the wind was whipping up and, you know, pulling in the water from like the surface water. So it was just a shower of like misty, salty water. And as I walked along, I could just feel just being completely like surrounded, immersed in this, in this literally sea water that was so fine that was literally spraying from the leaves of my whole being. And in that moment, that was the moment, that was the moment of rescue. The rescue from what I what I felt in that moment through God using creation, literally reaching out to me, using this nature to reach out to me. Was Elaine, I've got you. This is my rescue. And at that point, I didn't know how things would happen. I didn't know what they would turn out. But in that moment, there was something happened in my soul where I realized I'm not going into that. And he's coming to rescue me. It's very simple, but very powerful. So beauty is a rescue. Beauty is comforting. Beauty is full of hope. And beauty reassures that everything is going to be okay. That's Elaine and I washing an elephant. No, I did. I did. I, I did get a chance to do that once um, before we got married to wash an elephant, and it was something very special. Um, and it, it, yeah, I'm just going to read this bit from a woman called Elaine uh, Scarry. You're about to be in the presence of something life-giving. She was talking about um, a moment of coming up upon something, of, of something beautiful. And it might sound like this. You're about to be in the presence of something life-giving, life-saving, something that deserves from you a posture of reverence or petition. It's not clear whether you should throw yourself on your knees before it or keep your distance from it. But you better figure out the right answer because this is not an occasion for carelessness or for leaving your own postures wholly to chance. It's not that beauty is life-threatening, though this attribute has sometimes been assigned to it, that big, huge wave that could crush you, but instead that it is life-affirming, life-giving. And therefore, if through your careless approach you become (coughs) cut off from it, you will feel its removal as a retraction of life. You will fall back into the sea. So it's the holiness of beauty. You know, you come upon something and, oh gosh, like what do I do here? Do I kneel? Do I bow? Do I back off? It's like, you know, and washing the elephant, it was like I could see its eye looking at me. I was going, you are huge. What do I do here? You know? Elaine's going to be talking about the, more about the mothering of God through beauty um, in the next session. But beauty is so enriching, it's so healing. 
It'll assist you back to your union with God. It's a key part of this. Is the beauty will assist you back. It comforts. It reassures. It's the feast of the goodness of God before you. It unclenches the soul, which allows your soul to receive. You know, we are walking around like this with life. And beauty gets you to lift your head. Yes. And unclench. It does this inside, doesn't it? It's this unclenching. It's the quiet proclamation of the restoration of all things. As you said, Elaine, all will be well. All will be well. As we begin to pursue union more seriously, what we discover is that actually there's a, there's a part of us that has actually <coughs> experienced you know, this lack of mothering you know, and the desolation of mothering. As a mother comforts her child, so I will come for you. And so it's not a huge leap of faith now as we, as, we, as we have gone through these images and experiences that he is pursuing us. He's pursuing us in every way through his beauty. It's a very mothering thing. The world is far more beautiful than it is functional. Think about it. Rainbows. Just... So many things out there that are, they're not functional, they're just beautiful. <laughs> it's reassuring because of its abundance. It's everywhere, and that's the thing. It's absolutely everywhere. We can avail of it everywhere. And so the encouragement is to bring it into your dailies. You know, and there's a lot of different ways that we can do that. We go around not noticing things. We go around blinkered. Um, and we miss this grace that's around us. Um, this piece about Matisse, it's the same woman in her book. Um, she said, um, Matisse repeatedly said that he wanted to make paintings so serenely beautiful that when one, when one came upon them, suddenly all problems would subside. Can you hear the mothering in that? Yes. You'd come across beauty, and then you'd just go, oh, I just can let go. Somebody's looking after me. And she said, his paintings of Nice and of France have, made, have, have for me this effect. My house, though austere inside, is full of windows looking out into the garden. The garden throws different colors into the room. Lavenders, pinks, blues, and pools of green. But one winter, she says, when I was bereft because my garden was underground, wasn't blooming, I put Matisse prints all over the walls, 13 in a single room. So those are his kind of paintings. So this woman decided to put this beauty that he talks about into her home. That's why we do these things, is because it reminds us and that's, that's it. That's, that's what we need to do, is to bring beauty back into the places that we live in. Bring it into your dailies. It's something that we can pursue and absorb <coughs> and let minister to us. We crave it. Um, what are we doing on time? I think I'm going to... There's an exercise here that I'm going to skip through because I think... I was going to have you sit for a while... 
but let's do it. Let's just take this little window. What's he revealing to you through what we're doing here? What's he saying to you? encouragements is to, to use the line I receive it into my soul I receive this into my soul and with it your comfort or whatever it is that he's showing you and with it your comfort and with it your love and with it your reassurance that all will be well and with it your healing Whatever he's shown you, I receive it into my soul. And with it, your gentleness. Yeah, so build it into your dailies. Restful music. <coughs> and the challenge we have is, as we know, everything needs to be upgraded, the world that we live in. 
It's this constant upgrade of, we think it needs to be up here for it to impact us. When we get shown videos and things like that, it's like fantastic, amazing, incredible. And so our expectations are right up here, but actually where we need to come back to is in the simple. It's in the simple things. All that other stuff, the fantastic, bizarre, alarming, startling, amazing, it's all captivating, but in the wrong way. It's addictive, as you know. And it's not good for the soul. It triggers all that stuff that Carmen was talking about, dopamine, cortisol, adrenaline. We don't need that stuff running through us. If you want to care for your soul, if you want to develop, if you want to be like the tree planted by the river of life whose leaf does not wither, you're going to have to adopt this lifestyle that will provide it for you. You know, and here's an example of something we did, our daughter did, um, on the side of the wall, Elaine, you helped her. Um, but it's the tree planted by the river. It's something that we see in our garden every day, even though it's our neighbor's wall, <laughs> we get to see the tree. <laughs> you know? Well, he doesn't get to see it. <laughs> he doesn't know it's there. He's missing out on the beauty. Yeah, so arrange for it, you know? Arrange for it in your dailies, because that's where you live. Your friendships and all that, that's in your dailies. You live in your story. That's where he planted you. That's where you are right now. And often there's drama around the corners, but, you know, just around the corner, there's also this, where we went yesterday. You know, the beauty of just the surroundings. You know, and spend time with with the beauty and in the beauty. (laughs) Beautiful people. One of the things I do is I go to uh, somewhere like this, not too far from where we live, and I bring a chair with me. You see the chair there? And I go and sit in that chair overlooking things, and I'll bring binoculars with me, and I'll be... Be looking at what's going on down there, and there's seals down there, there's people rowing, there's a whole life. But you know what? It takes me, it takes me a while to kind of settle into that. And I was down there once and I lost track of time, and I had to ring Elaine. I said, oh, I'm just going to go out for an hour. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it was like an hour and a half, and I went, Oh, I better call Elaine to tell her. But it took me a long time to lose myself into the beauty, you know. Um, I'll also find it on hills. You know, um, just that feeling of exhilaration of like just looking out from the top of a hill. Um, And then, you know, something that's happened more recently with technology, strangely, is that you can set your phone up and I get these different pictures from my pictures. And I'm like, oh, yes, a reminder of the beauty. So you can use technology sometimes wisely to help. It is useful sometimes to remind yourself. Um, I'm going to skip through these. Um, I'm not going to tell that story. That's for another time. Yeah. And, and most people squeeze God into the margins of life. A life that is actually saturated with the world. And we become like a, satur- like a parched sponge. We can't actually receive. Like a parched land can't receive the water we're not careful just rushes off you know and we we end up in hypervigilance looking for relief 
and not restoration. And that's the big question, is relief or restoration? Yeah. So check in. Is this relief? And sometimes you'll need to get quiet to really be able to know, am I offering myself relief? Or is it restoration? Am I seeking beauty? Am I receiving it into my soul? So if you stick with some of these things that I'm saying, you will become saturated with God. And he knows you. He knows your situation. And he'll come. He will come. And have these barometers. The flinch, the flinch barometer is, if you get a text message or something and somebody's calling you, or, uh, mm, I don't need that message. I don't need to. It's too much. You're, you're overloaded at that stage. So even having that as a barometer is a very helpful thing. So develop barometers where you're scanning you know, am I dry? Am I dry? If you're a cyclist, are you cycling? If you're a reader, are you reading books? If you're a runner, are you running? Come back to the things that help you. Right? And not social media as a barometer. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. And then the God of peace will be with you. And you know, Paul was, was talking to them and he said, just, just look what I'm doing and do that. There's no perfectionism here. If it's not working, just go back to it. There's no pressure. Just keep on doing what I'm doing. Putting into practice the things that heal your soul and bring you more of Jesus. And then the God of peace will be with you. And so I'll finish by reading this blessing from Isaac and we have an Isaac we have an Isaac in the room may the son of God who is already formed in you grow in you so that for you he will become immeasurable and that for you he will become laughter exaltation the fullness of joy which no one can take from you Amen This has been the Freedom Fighter Podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you want to connect with our services or you want more info or details about upcoming events, connect with us online at www.freedomfighter.life or drop us an email at info at freedomfighters.life. Until next time, God bless you.